So what do we do here? We come together. Um, we could all do this on the internet, couldn't we? That's how I do it. Yeah. I but, watch you every Thursday night. <clears throat> but when you get a chance, I you come you to associate. Have. Yeah. So, yeah, we come together. Um, it's really important that we uh, spend as much time together as we can. We, uh, we help each other in so many ways. We should help each other in so many ways. Cherish the association. Right. Yeah, cherish. We should. So we're talking about peace tonight. Commonly referred to in Sanskrit as Shanti. Has anyone heard that word, Shanti? Yeah. Om Shanti Om. <laughs> so Shanti, yeah, everyone wants Shanti. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you dig deep, uh, every religion in the world ultimately wants to get into a situation where they're experiencing shanti. Isn't it? Yeah. Who's here? Who here is familiar with Buddhists? Yeah, a little yeah. bit, not much. That's what they ultimately want. Yeah, they want. Nirvana. Nirvana means get to get away. Nirvana is a Sanskrit word. It basically means nothing. For void. You go to the void to get away from all this anxiety, to get peace, to get shanti. Um, <clears throat> the thought is, if I can escape all of these things that cause me uh, great anxiety, then I'll be peaceful. Finally, peace. So and we find that we do that a lot. You know, people will save up, go into debt to go on vacation. Now, what do they want? They want some peace. They want to get away from their life. They want to go, they want to get out of here. You know, we're going to go to the beach. We're going to go to Las Vegas. There's not much peace in Las Vegas, though. At the temple, there is. At the temple. <laughs> so people want to get away. <clears throat> I used to go to Hawaii a couple of times a year, spend some time there. And I see people coming to Hawaii, and you can tell, after you've been there a lot, you can tell when, uh, by the look on somebody's face when it's their first time. First time to Hawaii. Has anybody here been to Hawaii? No, haven't. All right. If you haven't been, uh, you should go. It's an it's an amazing thing to see. Uh, Shiva Prabhupada said that Kali Yuga hasn't fully taken grit yet in Hawaii. It's uh, materially, it's even more than you can imagine. It's 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 more dynamic than it can be described, you know? It's just way far out. So people want to go to Hawaii, and most people, when they get there, they're, they're, it, it is, it's more than you expect. It's really fantastic. Weather is incredible. Everything, every, everywhere you look, you're seeing something very beautiful. 
you know, very unique. So, so people save up or go into debt to go to Hawaii. And you can see the first timers, they're like, you know, there's Diamond Head, dude. Look at that. You know, the color of the ocean and the sky. And it really is incredible. Mango trees grow in people's front yards and fruits growing wild everywhere. It's funny, you, you can see fruit, uh, mango trees hanging over the freeway, dropping mangoes onto the freeway. And there's mangoes laying in different yards. And yet people will go to Whole Foods and pay like four bucks for one. You know. <laughs> my fellow man just blows my mind. <laughs> so... Uh, 90, 95% of the bananas in Hawaii are imported from South America. Go figure. Why? Because, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Narahari, my godbrother, lives there. He's lived there forever. You know, and uh, yeah. So nobody in Hawaii wants to work. They'll grow. Anything will grow there. Anything, and very well. And they grow wild, but nobody really cares about that wild stuff because, you know, it's different because it doesn't come from Whole Foods. What's well, a stupid banana that came off that tree over there? You don't know where that tree's been. You know. But it's a fact. Well, you know, they import so much. So, uh, But people go there to get peace. And so what do they do as soon as they get there? They immediately try to get back in, without thinking, back in to the same thing that was giving them so much lack of peace, so much, so, so much disturbance, you see. You'll see them, you know, I would go walking, chanting my rounds on the beach. Uh, my son Keshva lived just not too far from, the, from Waikiki. <clears throat> I would go stay with him. I'd stay at the temple sometimes. And I'd, so I'd go down, walk on the beach, and chant my rounds, and you see people out there uh, not too early in the morning. They'd get out there, and you could tell they're really hung over. <laughs> I mean, they're suffering. <laughs> why, is the, why do the waves have to make so much noise? Oh, you know. The day before, they were saying, listen to those waves. You know, you could hear that. And from some places in Waikiki, the hotels, you can you leave your window open. All the windows around that place open because you don't really need air conditioning and you don't need a heat heater, you know. So although the hotels have air conditioning because people go there want it because they have it back at home. So you see people struggling, hurt, they're in pain. They went right back to the things that they were, were doing that were giving them so much distress. And now here they are in distress, trying to make it through this day so I can get on that plane tomorrow, go back to work. You know, but we had some... So people attempt so many ways to, to have peace. Um, Hawaii is a very peaceful place. 
if you take away the nonsense. It's very, very, uh, very peaceful. I mean, you, there's places where you can go <coughs> and really feel, you know, the lack of agitation, you see. Um, but does that do it enough? What if you go out in the mountains or out in the desert or up to, uh, up in the Himalayas? Commonly pronounced in America, Himalayas, but it's actually pronounced Himalaya. Him, uh, um, what is it? I forget. Him means ice and snow. Alia means place. Himalaya means place of ice and snow. So you can go up there away from everybody and it's quiet and peaceful and you can, you can kind of start to feel some peace. But then you get some agitation after a while because you think, uh, wow, where's my phone? You know, I wonder if I can get Netflix out here. <laughs> I want to check the news or check my, uh, my Facebook, you see. So we just go, <laughs> go right back into it. We get sucked back in. This happens wherever we go. We may think we want peace, but we're uh, conditioned in this material world. We're conditioned to be uh, in distress, you see. We, we seek it, we seek peace, but then we get right back. We start doing the things that, that bring on distress, you see. So we need a way to break out of that. So I wanted to ask some questions. Can we do that? Yeah. What do you think, boss? Can they, you have papers so they can write answers? Notice I defer to her because I know who's in charge. I knew you were looking behind me, past me. <laughs> yeah, notice I'm asking her and he's answering. Looking back, answer. Look, I know who's in charge. What kind of tea is this? It's uh, ginger. It's nice. Uh, lemon, honey, ginger. Yeah, it's good. It's a little bit more than anybody thinks. All right. I want to ask some questions. And when you get something to write on, um, I'll ask the questions. You can be contemplating your answers. Number one, and this is, uh, uh, we, we, we keep this. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, anonymous. Huh? Anonymous. 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 Yeah. It's got to be anonymous. So we're not going to embarrass anybody. Say what you please. First question. Are you ready? Is your life peaceful enough? So think about that. Is your life peaceful enough? And you can say that, answer that, please, in one word or less. <laughs> what a wise guy, huh? Is your life peaceful enough? Okay, everybody, now, here we go. Question two. What do you feel is disturbing your peace? If, in fact, your peace is being disturbed or ever is disturbed, what do you think is disturbed? What's preventing you from uh, 
Human piece. This could be anything. I think we're going to have to share the pens, guys. We have a really good problem. We ran out of pens. All right. So, is your life peaceful enough? And do you feel, what do you feel is disturbing your peace? That's against the law, actually, disturbing the peace. And I'll repeat these if you need me to. Ready for number three? Number three, what do you do to try to become peaceful? When you feel like you need to be peaceful, what is your method? What do you use? What do you, you know, deep breathing, yoga, meditation, walking the dog? That's the question. What do you do to be peaceful? Yes, what do you do to become peaceful? Chanting. <laughs> and so, after you've answered, what do you do to become peaceful? The last question is, does that work? Again, one word or less. Or less. <laughs> <laughs> See, if we gave them big pieces of paper, they would write and write and write. What was the question again? The last one? The thing that you do for, to become peaceful, does it work? Or you could say, how, how well does it work? How's that working for you? <laughs> meditating and thinking. Okay. So, on this subject of peace, Krishna actually gives us a step-by-step -step method to get it and keep it. So, um, you can uh, collect those as soon as everybody's finished. And don't let me forget to actually look at them because sometimes I forget and it's too close to prasadam. So you gotta you gotta look out for me. All right, Krishna gives us a step by step method on how to become peaceful. So if we consult Bhagavad Gita. The wisdom of Bhagavad Gita. In the second chapter, Krishna summarizes the entire contents of the Bhagavad Gita. First of all, in the first chapter, the scene is set. It's described. Let me show you what's going on here. The players are discussed, or the characters are established. So, uh, then the whole thing before it comes to you is summarized. And then chapter through chapter through chapter, Krishna makes these various points. Then at the end, in the 18th chapter, he summarizes it again. So you can see Krishna is trying very hard 
to uh, communicate. I want you to have this wisdom. I want you to know this for your benefit. For your benefit. Not for his. God is someone that there's, there, there's nothing we can do to benefit him. He has everything. Everything comes from him. You see. As far as helping him, doing, you know, uh, giving him something that he needs, doesn't need anything. We are the need, we're the needy ones, and, and he supplies. Everything comes from, he's the source of all sources. Everything is coming from Krishna. So, uh, we need peace. So Krishna says, we, he knows you need peace. He knows your situation. He knows if you've been bad or good. <laughs> Actually, he does. So, he knows your situation. He knows that you're suffering and that you're uh, many times uh, in distress. You're not feeling peace. Now, why do you think that you... Re what is the, the main uh, contribution to your lack of peace? What do you think? Mind. Yeah, flickering mind, yeah, that's part of it. But the main thing is, you've lost, you've lost contact with him. We've lost contact with uh, the sweet Lord. And because of that, uh, we're out here trying to answer all the questions and solve all the problems of this material world on our own. So sometimes we feel unsheltered. We forgot all about our relationship with him. We feel lack of shelter. We feel unloved. Because different people are trying so hard uh, under these circumstances of being away from God. People are struggling so hard to uh, somehow or other enjoy this material world to get some peace so they try so hard that sometimes they may cheat you they may cheat you and they'll rationalize well it was okay because I had to do it because you know they may lie to you they may manipulate you for their benefit this is these are the things that go on in the material world by materially Contaminated people. I mean, consciousness. When your consciousness is contaminated uh, materially, you can cheat. And uh, without remorse. You may not feel remorse. You may feel, well, yeah, I cheated you, but, you know, you're a jerk anyway. You see, so I just, I did something very wrong to you. But I just kind of, Wash that out of my mind. I don't feel bad anymore. I did for a minute, but you know, you're a jerk anyhow. <laughs> you know, nobody else in the world might think you're a jerk, but I do, and so I can cheat you, or I can lie to you, I can manipulate you for my benefit. You see? So this causes a great deal of distress, tremendous amount of distress between us. You see? So there we need to work on this situation. We need to get to a point 
to where we don't have to depend on every other living entity to give us or to fulfill our perceived needs to become peaceful. You see what I mean? In other words, uh, sometimes a very needy person may pair up with someone else and expect that person to, to fill in all these needs. Sometimes that works, but a lot of times it really doesn't, you see? Because it, it, it's, it's a heavy burden for people to carry, you see? Now I'm talking about on a, uh, on a material basis. We need to solve these problems with spiritual solutions. If I feel needy, if I feel unloved, well, there's a spiritual problem there. It's not a material problem. It's a spiritual, you see, because I'm not connected with Krishna, the source of love. I've somehow or other lost consciousness of him, you see, so I've cut myself off from the source of love. So now I'm looking for everyone else that's cut off from the source of love to fulfill my need for love. This need for love and the need for peace, this is a spiritual need because you're a spiritual entity. You're an eternal living entity. You have this eternal need. You can't live without peace and love. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. So you're going to always seek it. Your, your nature as a soul, as an eternal soul, is sat Ananda. Sat, you're eternal, chit, you're full of knowledge, and ananda, you're always blissful. Not just in a good mood. Not just having a good day. Blissful. Which trumps everything, you know? Totally blissful. So, uh, but people don't say that very much, do you? They're not, do they? Hey, how are you doing? Blissful. <laughs> you know? Usually it's awesome or something else. Surely they say something else other than awesome, don't they? Most people say awesome, which could mean anything. Not that there's anything wrong with saying awesome. I don't make anybody think that. But uh, I hope people don't start saying blissful. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning really nothing or anything, you know, it could be, you know. <laughs> How are you doing? Blissful, dude. <laughs> Bliss is killing me. So what does Krishna say? What are these steps? Let's talk about the situation that gets you, that robs you of your peace. How do you get unpeaceful? See, Krishna is so kind, he tells you, this is what's going on. Here's where you are. Here's who you are. This is what's happening to you. This is why it's not comfortable. And this is how to get 
back into your original position, you see. So Krishna says, Bhagavad Gita, second chapter, 61st verse. <coughs> I've got five verses that I want to read together here. Stop me at any time with questions or comments. Well, not any time, but almost any time. Uh, verse 61, Krishna says, one who restrains his senses, keeping them under full control, and fixes his consciousness upon me, is known as a man or woman of steady intelligence. What does that have to do with peace? You may wonder. Why is Krishna talking about that? He says, restraining your senses. That ain't no fun. Man, as soon as I get off the plane in Honolulu, I'm going to go try one of those Hawaiian Mai Tais. I'm not going to restrain my senses. I'm going to eat as much as I possibly can, and I'm going to drink as much as I possibly can. I'm going to do all of it, right? So, because I came here for peace. <laughs> and damn it, I'm going to get it. So, but Krishna is saying, this, this seems a little backwards, doesn't it? Because spiritual answers are backwards or opposite from material answers. Material answers apply to the body, and they don't even work with the body. Their lack of intelligence. But Krishna's talking about intelligence here. Wow. So we need intelligence to feel peaceful. One who restrains his senses, keeping them under full control, and fixing and fixes his consciousness upon me, is known as a man or a woman. It's steady intelligence, steady intelligence. So steady intelligence um, does not involve going out on a, what do they call it? Bender? <laughs> to go bar to bar. That's not steady intelligence. You know, because I'm gonna suffer from it. I mean, I might get arrested, I might get into a fight. I'm gonna feel really terrible tomorrow. That's not steady intelligence. Um, and fixes his consciousness on me. So, uh, and I'm going to get back to this uh, controlling the senses, because it doesn't sound like much fun, does it? Huh? Control your senses. Huh? Well, then what do I do? <laughs> I mean, in other words, do I just sit like a stone? I mean, like a statue? No. So Krishna's going to give us the... He's going to give us the recipe. In the 62nd verse, he continues, while contemplating the objects of the senses, a person develops attachment for them. And from such attachment, lust develops. And from lust, anger arises. What's he saying here? While contemplating the objects of the senses. So I'm meditating on that object. So while doing that, I develop an attachment for it. Uh, that attachment meaning whatever that object is that I'm uh, contemplating, that I'm 
meditating on. Uh, that object is not going to give me the, uh, it's not going to meet my objective for happiness ananda, and peace. It's just not going to do it. You see? So, I'm contemplating the objects of the senses. I'm developing an attachment for them. And from attachment, lust develops. Lust, I want it really bad. Because I'm I've anticipated that it's really going to make me happy. It's going to make me peaceful and popular and whatever it is, lust. So now I'm in the mode of passion. I want it, I want it real bad. So the difficulty is that material modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance never uh, fulfill. Your, your material desires can never be fulfilled. They may seem like they are for a moment, but then you, you, lose, you lose hold of it. You can't keep it. Can anybody think of a, for instance, something material that you want and you get and you just want more of it? Not because it's really great, but because it doesn't really work. It did, but now it's starting to fade. Anybody? Usually money can be like that. Money? Money is exactly like that. If I get to where I'm making this much, I'll be enjoying more. But I get there and I'm not enjoying to the level that I thought I would. So I'll just try to make more. You know? And maybe that'll require further education, bigger, getting more and more into, into debt whatever, and now I get my income level that I was shooting for, I'm still not happy, or as happy as I think I should be. You know, for the, for the money I make, I should, I'm entitled to enjoy on a higher level than, than that guy. Well, he doesn't make half of what I make. If he doesn't make half as, as much as I make, then I deserve to enjoy twice as much, right? I have twice the resources. I can afford twice the car, twice the house, twice the vacation. I should, you see what I mean? This is the way material consciousness works. Intoxication works that way. People you get intoxicated and then they, they need a little bit more. Maybe another round. You see what I mean? Do you get to a point where it goes and it goes and it different types of intoxication people. People overdose uh, all the time on, you know, on drugs that are supposed to give you satisfaction. And they end up dying. They go so far, you try a little bit more. Has anybody in here not had someone reasonably close to them that overdosed on, overdosed on uh, some sort of drug? Is there anybody here who has not had that experience? So I've got three. Okay. I've known a few. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. It's a terrible thing to do. Why? And we see, oftentimes, it's um, rich and famous people. I mean, boy, the list rich and famous people that OD'd is really, really long. 
you know. I was just watching a documentary on Amy Winehouse when I was on, on vacation. And, you know, her life was basically everything that you're saying, you know. She started off really just like this, like, small-town girl, seemed happy, you know, had friends, close bonds. And, uh, and then as she became more and more famous, it seems like the more material facility that she had at her disposal, the more destructive she became. Mm. To the point where she inevitably, you know, took her life by form of overdose. Yeah. I mean, that list is long. Uh, Or people that just take their life. With or without drugs. You know, Robin Williams. But talk about a material success. He had fame, money, distinction, adoration. People loved him. And, but he just couldn't get peace couldn't get fulfillment, you see. So we can see, and we don't have to beat this up anymore, we can see this it doesn't work. These the material attempts. If I get some, uh, maybe if I get some big, big education, then I can prove to you that I'm smarter than you. That ought to make me feel good about me, huh? Does anybody really care? I mean, have you ever met someone who says, hi, Bob Smith, PhD, and you say, Bob, (laughs) oh, Bob, oh, Bob, oh, Bob, I don't know what to say. Thank you for coming into my life. I bet you know so much. Garbage. Hi, hi, deep. Huh? PhD, pilot higher and deeper. Yeah, definitely. It's true. Yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the human brain, some are bigger than others as far as the re- ability to retain, like computers have different size hard drives, you know. So some of them can hold more data than others. But uh, what type of material information can you put in your brain that's really going to make you feel good it's going to answer all of your spiritual questions doctorate in what (laughs) from experience it just seems like all it does is inflate the false ego that's all it ever does I've known Many, 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 many. Well, I still know many PhDs. None of them are any happier than anybody else. They're usually pretty stressed and like actually the opposite. Exactly. That's this is a good point because I have a PhD and you don't. Well, I simply must come off as more intelligent than you. I should be able to dominate the conversation, shouldn't I? Because I have data that you don't. You see, this is just false ego. Yeah, it, it, it's. I have it. I worked hard for it. I want. I want you to know it. I want, I want you. To, 
I want you to tell me I'm smart. You know? It doesn't mean you're smart because you have that because you can remember a lot of stuff doesn't mean you really know what to do with it. A really smart person can achieve goals with very little resources and very little training. You know, the train IQ, you know, IQ is different than I can remember enough to pass the, the exams. What do you do with that? <laughs> you know, the world is full of people who are uh, highly educated and they have so many degrees and they're really not accomplishing much. You know, the world is also full of people who really don't have much material training and they figure, they figure things out. So IQ uh, kind of uh, helps, helps you figure out what is your ability to figure things out. But if you're smart, then you'll get a resource. Gee whiz, I don't know about this thing that I'm trying to solve, but I think he does. So I'll get him and maybe him, he'll help me in another department. I used to know, uh, I used to uh, associate with many people who built corporations from the ground up. And maybe they know how to make a widget. I don't know what a widget is, but we, we always use that. They know how to make a widget. They don't know accounting, you see. They don't know sales. They don't know marketing. But I'll hire you to do my accounting. I'll hire you to do my sales. And you two guys will be my marketing and advertising. I know how to make widgets, but I'm smart enough to use you guys to make this whole thing work, you see. So the guy doesn't think, I need to learn how to become an expert marketer. I need to become an expert accountant. I need to be an expert salesman. No, you don't. If you're smart, you'll get that, you see. So here I am getting off again, aren't I? Sorry. Where was I? Oh, here we are. So, uh, we're contemplating the objects of the senses. And we start to get attached. So then lust develops because I want it. Uh, material lust is uh, rarely satisfied for very long anyway. So from that, anger. Now I'm mad. I didn't get what I want. Uh, the cause of anger is almost always going to be the same thing. <laughs> Can you have the holy name? Yeah. <laughs> that. Pretty good. I mean, really. <laughs> the holy name is never a disturbance. It's true. So, uh, whenever you become angry, it's because of unfulfilled material desires. When your material desires are unfulfilled, you become upset. Like, I don't think I get the proper respect. Or I didn't get this, or I didn't get that. I have a material desire, it's unfulfilled, I'm, I'm a little miffed. You see? So, it has nothing to do with spiritual life. Krishna goes on, from anger, complete delusion arises. Doesn't sound good, does it? You ever notice that? 
people get real angry, they get like crazy. No, <laughs> they start fighting. You know, the more emotional they get, the less uh, access they have to their intelligence. Reasoning goes out the window. From anger, complete delusion arises, and from delusion, bewilderment of memory. Wow. You ever notice that? Yeah. Somebody gets real mad at you, and they start accusing you of things that weren't exactly the way it was, or maybe you didn't even do. Bewilderment of memory. I don't even, maybe I don't even remember why I'm mad at you, but I just know I am. And you're not going to get away with it. <laughs> when memory is bewildered, intelligence is lost. And when intelligence is lost, one falls down again into the material pool. You're just immersed in illusion. You're angry, you're deluded. You know, your intelligence is lost. You're an illusion. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to be peaceful. You can see how we got unpeaceful. All of these things happen to us from time to time. Krishna goes on, but a person free from all attachment and aversion, free from attachment and aversion. You see? That means if I'm attached to, to one political party and I just really hate another, I'm in the material pool. I'm not going to be peaceful. I'm not going to be happy. You see? None of these opinions have anything to do with me. You see? Unless they're trying to get me back to Krishna, then I'll listen to that. Otherwise, let them get on their soapbox, you know, do whatever they want. But a person free from all attachment and aversion and able to control his senses through the regulative principles of freedom can obtain the complete mercy of the Lord. What is Krishna saying here? The regulative principles of freedom? Well, I thought regulative principles kind of control you, don't they? Hmm. Don't they? No. Well, they restrict you. Yeah. Well, how can that be freedom? Because it's material stimulation that gets you in trouble. Right. <laughs> and those, but those desires drive me to yeah. do actions. You know, like uh, getting free of this, uh, uh, if we take up the regulative principle of abstaining from uh, um, intoxication, now I'm free from intoxication. I'm free. I'm like that proverbial bat out of Hades. Down, you know where Hades is, don't just down there near hell. It's towards hell. <laughs> I knew you. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I'm free from that. Someone says, "Hey, want to go throw one on or 
No, what? Tie one on. <laughs> yeah, you want to go. Why do they say that? <laughs> Throw some back. Or whatever, you know. You say, thank you, no, I'm good. Come on, man. It's happy hour. You don't look that happy to me, dude. No, I'm going to go get happy. You know? So, yeah, Krishna says that. Um, when you're free from all attachment and aversion, I'm, I'm equipoised. You can't make me hate anybody. No, thank you. You want to go hate somebody? Go ahead. I'll see you. I'll see you later. Go, go, go do your hate thing. I will abstain. Thank you. Uh, and I'm able to control my senses through the regulative principles of freedom. And I'm going to free myself from these material things that really have enslaved me forever. As long as I've been in this material world, I've been forced. I've been forced by these things to uh, take them up. That's been my shelter. This has been a good shelter. But I didn't have Krishna. I was separated from Krishna. And, and you know, that's about all I could do. Um, and Krishna goes on. You can obtain the complete mercy of the Lord. Wow. This is promising. Krishna goes on, for one thus satisfied in Krishna consciousness, the threefold miseries of material existence exist no longer. In such satisfied consciousness, one's intelligence is soon well established. I'm getting, I'm controlling these senses. I'm not letting them drive me. Um, I'm feeling satisfied in my consciousness of Krishna. The threefold miseries no longer exist to me. What are the threefold miseries? Yeah. Miseries caused by um, nature, the self, and others. Adidavika is miseries that come from acts of God. They always blame it on God, like drought, flood, tsunami, God's doing this. You know, so miseries from uh, nature. nature. Yeah. Uh, Adibodhika, mm -hmm. miseries caused by other living entities. Mosquitoes, rats, Mosquitoes. snakes. People, people, <laughs> traffic, you know, Republicans, <laughs> Democrats. The first one was better. You know, so I can blame it. Let's not do that. So we get all of this. I'm getting all this misery from these other living entities around me. So acts of God, other living entities, and Adyatmika Klesh. Klesh means misery from the mind, which is the most common misery. 
because I might perceive something that would be some way, and it's really not that way, and it, my mind starts to make me miserable over it. In other words, it robs me of my peace. How can I be peaceful when it's, it hasn't stopped raining for five days? Or it hasn't rained in six months. It's affecting my peace. Or from all the other living entities that are bothering me. They're disturbing my peace. Or from the way I perceive something I think you said. You see what I mean? Or something you didn't say that I thought you should say. <laughs> oh, this is between me and me. Maybe you didn't do anything. You didn't mean anything. You see? But my intelligence is lost. Because I, I get angry. I'm, I'm angry at this and I'm angry at that. And You see? I'm not enjoying on the level that I think I should be. So I'm upset. And you could be part of the problem. Probably are. You're conspiring with her. This is the way our minds work. And so... The mind robs us of peace, steals it away. We don't want it to. This isn't intentional. We don't want to go there. You see? Krishna continues. 66 verse, Krishna says, One who is not connected with the Supreme in Krishna consciousness or conscious of Krishna can neither have transcendental intelligence nor a steady mind without which there's no possibility of peace. And how can there be any happiness without peace? You can't be happy if you're not peaceful. That's why you want to be peaceful anyway, so you can feel happy. You can ta taste your in eternal entitlement to ananda, bliss. You, you, you're always going to want that. You cannot give up that desire for bliss. And I don't mean just to be okay. Bliss, that's your entitlement as a living entity. You can't be satisfied by anything material. This bliss doesn't come from material things or material consciousness. You see? Bliss comes from the source of bliss. It comes from Krishna. Well, what about Krishna gives you the bliss? Think about that. What does Krishna do to make me feel blissful? He shows me how much he loves me. Why, just to be just to look into those eyes of his, those loving eyes. Charm. How can you not feel blissful? Eyes that look at you and say, there's no description of, there's no words that can describe my love for you, but you are about to feel that love. And it's gonna continue forever, so long as you remember me, as long as you stay conscious of me, or Krishna conscious. This is our only reason for existence, to share that love with Krishna, to reciprocate that love, you see. If we love him, uh, he becomes, if we can demonstrate our love for him, 
he becomes ours. We may think, no, I belong to God. But as your love for him develops, you realize that he thinks he belongs to me. So we belong to each other, you see. So, oh, let me, before I forget. Number one, someone says not peaceful. So um, what, what was number question, number one question? Question for number one is, is your life peaceful enough? And someone is saying, no, it's not. It's a very honest, sometimes see people say, yeah. And you think, what if I followed you very far? If I was a fly in your car, I could tell that very soon, I'm going to see that you're not peaceful. You know, a, a truly peaceful person, you can see that. You can spot it you know, at, at peace. One symptom is that uh, they're not trying to prove anything to you. They're trying to connect with you and share that peace. When you're peaceful, you want everyone around you to be peaceful too. When you're peaceful, you won't disturb anybody's peace. You know, it's kind of like pe uh, sharing peace is like offering an embrace. You see? Number two question was, what do you feel is disturbing your peace? My mind disturbs me. Bullseye, exactly. Our minds disturb us more than anything. We could say other living entities or the weather or whatever, but it's the way we perceive what's going on around us. My perception in my mind, how I process that. Um, and number three, how do I, uh, what do I do to uh, restore my peace? Chant Hare Krishna, Jai. And number four, does it work? Most of the time, most of the time it works. Sometimes it doesn't work when we get distracted. You know, they don't like chanting it. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, Hare Where's my car keys? Did you have dinner ready yet? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, <laughs> I have to chant another round just because you don't have things ready yet. Yeah. So this seems like in that scenario, we're just trying to get, we're just trying to get past them. Like we're just trying to get them over and done with. And if that's if that's if that's our mindset, then we can't really relish the holy names. We're not really hearing the holy names. We're simply trying to, um, you know, get past them. And it was just become a chore. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I really liked, but that I read really early on when we used to come here a long time ago and read books about Chapa, was that you should you should think of every holy name as you know every every holy name that you utter as the last one. Mm. You know, 
that, that always stuck with me, you know? Like everyone that you chant, think of it as, as the last one. And, you know, that way you always have this newfound freshness when you approach the Holy Name. So it's easier said than done, obviously, but I think that's a nice meditation. And, and, and try to hear them. Yeah. Try to hear that Krishna. If you do, every so often you'll find, you ever find when you're chanting, every so often you'll say that, you'll, Hare Krishna, and you think, wow, what a healing sound. Yeah. Hare Krishna. You know? And Hare. A lot of people cut their Hare's short at the end. You know? You know, so if we think that this Hare is Radha, when we're saying hooray, we're talking about Radha. Radha will connect you directly to Krishna. It's like Indra Swami and I were talking about a year and a half ago. That when you think about that, we start dragging out those hoorays. Instead of cutting them short, drag them out. You know? Sometimes in Kirtan, you know, we... Rama, Rama, hare, hare. Radha, I want you to hear, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about you, I'm appealing to you. If I can appeal to Radha's mercy, I've got Krishna's mercy. You see, so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is funny. Is your... Is your life peaceful enough? Uh, <laughs> That's it. Yeah. How do you spell that? Huh? U G H U H H H. Oh. Oh wait a minute! I got to say that. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, I can identify with that. Yeah, you peaceful? Oh. Give me a break. Oh. What do you do? to uh, restore peace. Uh, wait a minute. I, have to get, I can't see worth a heck anymore. Uh, what do you feel is disturbing your peace? Mind not absorbed in Krishna. True. What do you, fe- what do, you do to re- uh, become peaceful? Japa, kirtan, sadhu sangha, prasad. Wow. Does that work? Yes, <laughs> it does. You know, if you can get around this sadhu sangha means uh, sangha means to aso- association, and sadhu means saintly person. If I can associate with a saintly person, they will make you feel. Usually, when you come in contact with a saintly person, you walk away feeling very blissful, happy, peaceful, encouraged. You see. Um, saintly persons are never discouraging. You know, um, I need to share this with with everyone. I was going out to my car. Uh, when was it? it? Might have been Saturday when I was coming over here to give the Bhagavad Gita class. So I'm going out to my car and I'm ready to give go give class. And there's a guy walking along and he looks at me. And he's about my age. And he says, wow, are, are you a Hindu? And I said, well, not really, but something like that. I'm a Hare Krishna. <sighs> oh, yeah, 
Hare Krishna, I can tell with a thing on your head. I was I was in San Francisco in 1967. And and the the guy who started this whole thing, this his name uh, Prabhupada, he was there with a few of his followers. And so he was walking through Golden Gate Park, and I was there, and you know, I was obviously kind of a hippie guy, you know, 1967, hey Dashbury days. Hey, Hanging out and probably getting stoned in Golden Gate Park, you know. So here comes Prabhupada walking along with a couple of devotees. So he starts walking and he asks Prabhupada questions. And so he asks Prabhupada, uh, he said, um, for self-realization, you know, and he's probably a little puffed up because he seemed a little that way anyway. Uh, he was an impersonalist. He told me that he was an impersonalist. So for self-realization, he asked Prabhupada, is it best to do my own thing all by myself or should I find a guru? And Prabhupada said, he, he looked at him. He said, he looked me right in the eye and he stopped walking. And he said, best you do it all alone, all on do your own thing, unless you desire expediency. And he said, I thought about that for years. What did he mean by that? And it was, if you want it, if you want it to actually happen quickly, go find a guru. But he knew, Prabhupada knew that this guy was an impersonalist and wasn't, you know, was thinking, you do your own thing, you know, you, whatever. And he, he told me, he said, do you think he meant that if I really want it, I need to take a guru? I said, that's exactly what he was trying to tell you. But now if he'd have told the guy, if he'd have nailed him with it, the guy might have not been encouraged. The prophet said, no, do your own thing, unless you desire expediency. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought that was interesting, you know. That just happened this past Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot to tell you guys about it. Uh, is your life peaceful enough? Absolutely. I like that. What do you do? Uh, what do you feel is disturbing your peace? Uh, chant, associate. Okay, uh, so nothing's disturbing your peace. What do you do? Uh, chant, associate, exercise, pranayam. Uh, and take prasadam. Does it work? Indeed. Prasadam will, will give you peace. It's spiritual food is not just ordinary food. It's spiritual. Actually, the, the real truth is when you offer that, then Krishna, as he accepts it, he becomes the offering. So the offering is actually Krishna. This food that we eat very special process. In the beginning, Prabhupada had all these hippies that were coming around and he was just saying, just eat. He would cook for them. And then he, after they ate, he would get them to sing a little bit. 
sing some Hare Krishna. After a while, they wanted to chant. And after a while, you know, one of them one day, I think it might have been Kirtanananda. He said to Prabhupada, uh, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, so I don't remember the exact uh, exchange, but Prabhupada, would it, uh, would it help me if I dress like you? And Prabhupada said, yes, you will feel spiritual. You see, you'll feel that way. So, um, but in the beginning, Prabhupada just eat, just eat, just eat. And he cooked. Prabhupada did all the cooking, served everybody out, cleaned everything up. Very rarely did he get anybody that would help him. You know? Most people, I believe, they would sit and eat with Prabhupada, then they'd want to go smoke a cigarette or smoke some marijuana or something. You know, a lot of people, when they eat, they want to smoke. So they were in a hurry to get out. Thanks, it was great. You know, and then Prabhupada would clean everything up. No complaint. Uh, so, are your life, is your life peaceful enough? Uh, I only have the letter N, so I'm going to say no. And what do you do? What is your dis is disturbing your, your peace? Me and my desires. Good. What do you do to fix it? Dance, yoga, laugh, sing, breathe. Does that work? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Breathing is very good. I recommend it to all my friends. <laughs> the people who, who live the longest breathe the most. <laughs> they followed your instruction and used half the words, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was smart. Okay, is your life peaceful enough? At times, yes. Yeah. The devotee will feel peace. The only thing that can disturb our peace is uh, our caring. For other people, to care for people's make, making advancement. Other than that, uh, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? What about me? De uh, or something that I'm not getting. The devotee doesn't feel like I'm not getting enough of this or that. We always feel like, we always feel overloved. Why does Krishna love me so much? So we start to think, you know, what does he see in me? Which is the opposite from material like, well, why don't you see my finer points? Why don't you see me like I really am? You know, why don't you give me credit for the things that I do? Yeah. No, you get to know Krishna. And he's like, he sees things in you that you never saw. Hopefully someday you will see those things that Krishna sees in you. That's, it's, it's just incredible. You see, so the devotee never feels lonely. At least Krishna's always there. Uh, 
You never feel unloved. He's just always beating you up with his love. You see? Uh, we don't feel personal distress, fear. When you become a devotee, fear will go away. You, won't, you, you will soon forget what fear tastes like. You will remember what it is. You won't remember what it... After some time, you won't remember what it's like to feel fear. Or anything like that. You see? But you'll still suffer for those that you love. It's, it's sweeter to suffer for those that you love. You'll suffer more. <coughs> when someone hurts someone that you love, it hurts you more than if they hurt you. But it's, this is uh, hurt from to deal with love. Which is better to suffer that than to not be in love and to not feel that pain. If you don't care about people, then their suffering can't hurt you. You can be uh, immune to their suffering. But if you care about them, then you'll feel their, their pain. Maybe even more than they do. <coughs> like a mother, you know, with her, and her children. But you can be that way. We should be that way with each other. We should be so concerned about each other's benefit that we don't even think about our own. We're okay. Krishna will take good care of me. You should always feel that. Krishna will always take, he always has, he always will take more than great care of you. So just be concerned about the guy next to you. You know, how can I help? How can I help? Number two, what's disturbing your peace? I would say uh, the entanglement of the material world via bad association or things that simply disturb me from spiritual life. Exactly, right on. Material association can entangle you in so many things that cause you to start thinking that you should be disturbed. You know? Are you going to let the government do that? Huh? Do what? Well, do you know they're doing this and this and this? You're not going to stand for it, are you? Oh. Uh, no. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm mad too. Go, go make somebody else mad. Yeah, I'll do it. Wow. See? Devotees don't do that. We don't. Let's go out and really piss some people off today, you know? <laughs> Let's get people angry at Maya. We don't do that. Let's get people to love Krishna and each other. But what if I disagree with that person? Love them anyway. You might have to keep your distance. You know, they may be destructive. It's like this, this material. I might have to keep a little bit of a distance from someone who's overly material. You know? It's hard to be that intimate with somebody who's going to completely bring me into material consciousness again and again and again. So it doesn't mean I don't love them, but I can't. I'll try to have as much positive influence as I possibly can on them. 
but I can't let them bring me down to that. I don't want them to, to bring me into that material pool. I don't want to go there. It's even harder when it's family or something like that. Struggle. Yeah. But you can do it. Krishna will help. He will always help. Krishna will always help you. But it helps if you remember him. If you become conscious of him. Uh, and what helps? Chanting. Talking about Krishna to others, reading, singing, uh, reading, reading and singing to the uh, singing to the deities. Yeah, these things give us great pleasure. It's amazing what uh, associating with the deities can do, isn't it? Yeah, you're. You're in that club too, aren't you? It's amazing. They start uh, having a big influence in your life. All right. My life is as peaceful as Krishna is allowing. That means you're pretty peaceful. I am disturbing my peace by what I think. What I allow my mind to think, yeah, can disturb my peace. <coughs> I chant for peace, and I think of loving things. Or loving, loving things, yeah. I chant, it gives you peace, it will. Chanting works 100% if I do it with full... Uh, Maybe that's attention. What's that last word? Atten yeah, attention. attention. Full attention. Yeah. yeah. One good experience is if you can get somewhere by yourself and uh, to make yourself concentrate on the holy name, you chant very loudly. And as, as you start, as your mind starts to drift, you just up the, the volume. I spent the summer in Alaska several years ago, and there's places in Alaska where you can go that are just, you feel like you're the only person on the planet. I mean, really, there's only 600,000 people in the whole state, and it's almost three times the size of Texas. <laughs> it's just like... So my point is you can get out someplace by yourself in the wilderness and just let it go. Hey, Krishna, hey, Krishna. Yell out it. I was sitting on this bluff overlooking this river and mountains and I would say, Hare Krishna! Hare Krishna! <laughs> Krishna, Krishna! <laughs> have fun with it, you know. And just, no one else there. It's a it's a good idea uh, because we have a tendency to get wired into the way we chant because it becomes like we're talking a chore. All right, it's that time of the day. I got to chant because I got to go do this. 
you know, so it's hard. So every so often, what I like to do is to completely dismantle the way I chant because it, it's in my subconscious. So I need to do something way different, which would make me think about it. So I just change the whole thing. You know, maybe I've tried chanting, uh, when I was in Alaska, I tried chanting to classical music. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, different oh, oh, classical oh. music. I can't remember any of the tunes that I use now. But I would do that, <laughs> chant real high, chant real low. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. You know, just go back and forth and get yourself in the habit of bringing the chanting into your conscious mind. In other words, I don't know what my next thing is going to do. I don't know what my next tune is going to be. I have to plan that. as I, So in other words, I'm thinking about it. I'm driving it. And then it'll, after a while, you'll get into something that's comfortable. It'll get etched in your subconscious mind and you can chant and chant and multitask. Which isn't really good for chanting, you see. So, once in a while, it's really good to kind of tear it apart and rebuild it. It's fun. It is really fun. So, oh, is your life peaceful? No! <laughs> it's a big no. It actually says, no, you idiot, but I didn't read that part. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, what do you do? What do you feel is disturbing your peace? Oh, family life. Hmm, that can happen. Yeah. Is it your wife that's... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, snip it <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we can talk. Later. It's supposed to be anonymous. I understand. What do you do uh, to become peaceful? Get someplace away from my wife. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this isn't his. I'm just kidding. I know. I know. What do you do to become peaceful? <laughs> uh, I guess it's chanting the holy name. Does it work? Yes. I got two more. Is your life peaceful? Yes. Uh, what? Is disturbing your peace? Um, can you can you read number two for me? Uh, sometimes peace is lonely and uneventful. Oh. Hmm. Sometimes peaceful peace is uh, lonely and uneventful. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Because what if you, uh, and you can, what if you attain nirvana? Basically, that's your condition. Yeah? That's where you are, right there. 
You're lonely and uh, it's uneventful. Not at first. At first, you're glad to be there. It's like if you can attain liberation into the impersonal Brahman, the bright light that surrounds the spiritual world. If you can get into the light, I mean, it's the same thing. It's uneventful after a while. If you're into the vo- if you're in the void, then there's no outside influences that are disturbing your peace. Whew, that's great. But after a while, I'm going to want to interface with someone in a loving way. You see, that's why it's not eternal. Nirvana is not an eternal thing. Uh, liberation into the impersonal Brahmjoti is not an is not an eternal thing, because you're going to need. Not only you're going to want, you're going to need some love. Love means person, personal. You see, so that's actually very intelligent. Uh, number three, what do you what do you try to become peaceful? Uh, I play relaxing music. Does it work sometimes? Very good. And I have in my hands the last. Remember Johnny Carson used to Yes, yeah, talking about his Man is Oh, is your Johnny life? Carson. Huh? Yeah, who's Johnny Carson? Oh my God. <laughs> Do you know who Johnny Carson is? Okay. Be surprised how many people don't know. Rupa Satswami and I met some people on the beach in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas a few years ago. They didn't know who John Lennon was. They didn't know who the Beatles were. George Harrison? Was there aliens? Never heard of them. Is your life peaceful enough? No. Uh, what is disturbing your peace? Money. What do you do to try to become peaceful? Uh, Meditation and chanting. Does it work? Yes. Yeah, money can't, lack of money can make you, can steal your peace, and money itself can steal your peace. Uh, I've known a lot of people when I was in, in business life, I knew a lot of wealthy people. And and I don't mean just doing pretty good. I mean pretty cha-ching. And uh, they weren't any any happier than anyone else. They weren't they weren't as happy as a lot of people that make a tremendous amount less money because they're always concerned about it, you know. More money, more problems. Yeah. The only thing money can do is is um, helps you make it. You can make an easier decision. It can. It's yeah. def, It's a definite help yeah. if you're not, you know, really crazy over it. Yeah. But you know, I knew a lot of guys that had built corporations from the ground up, and then they take them public, and now most of their wealth uh, is in stock in that company, and they're worried. Why first thing every morning they're looking at the stock. You know, 
now these folks, I'm sure they're on their phone every minute to see if the stock is, the stock goes down on paper. I just lost $100,000. Well, but you didn't lose anything, you know. So, but they worry a lot about it. So, all right. Elijah Prabhu, can you sign us off? Thank you out there, Cyberland. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week, same same time, same station. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.